The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm going with the force of forces with me. That's not how the Force works. Well, let's start somewhere. Welcome to the KyberCast. This is episode number 78, recorded December 22nd, 2020. This is a very special episode. This is going to be about our book club, Dune, that we just finished. Um, my name is Joe Becker. I'm one half of the team. The other well-read person is... Wow. I'm Michael Diaz, and I don't know how well-read I am. I don't know. Like, Every time I, I see like you, I your face is red. <laughs> what? I don't know. It just it doesn't even make sense. I know it doesn't, but you know I'm an English major or was in college, so I should be well read. But I faked it a lot. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of people fake things till they make it. I don't know if I made it though. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so we finally we're taking a. This is a special kind of a in between episode that we're going to put out there because we never seem to find the time to cover our book club uh, book, which was Dune. Um, written by Frank Herbert. And now we have the time, I guess we're, we're, we're making the time because too much shit just keeps happening in between. Yeah. Well, you know, the last couple of weeks, two pretty huge episodes of the Mandalorian, as well as this week, which is why we're doing a two for this week. You're going to get two episodes. Right. So you know, you're not going to hear any Mandalorian stuff on this one. It's all about Dune. The next episode you can download will be, uh, uploaded at the same time and you can, uh, Listen to that. We'll have a special guest on there, which um, you can find out at that particular recording. So let's get cracking on uh, Dune, the novel. Well, before we go too deep, let's just start. Just general, like, we've read it. What'd you think? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's supposed to be a sci-fi classic. What'd you think? I liked it, but, you know, I'm surprised it didn't stay with me as long as I thought it would. Like I had, but, but so much has been going on, to be fair. I mean, it's it's not – sometimes, you know, a really good book will sit with me for a very long time, like in my head. It'll, I'll come back to it. It hasn't totally left my head, but with everything that's gone on um, with other things in the world besides just, you know, COVID and all that, uh, I, it hasn't stayed in my head too much. Um, but it was – I did enjoy the book. I, I enjoyed it very much. It wasn't what I – it wasn't what I thought. And I've said that in all of our – prior episodes that we, when we brought up the book. Um, so, but I liked it. I liked it. It was well worth the time. I agree. I liked it as well, but same kind of thing in that I'm starting to wonder now if, if it's a product of its time. I mean, most literature is in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. I, now I say this as a comparison. Have you ever read Catcher in the Rye? I have not. Okay. I should have, right? That's like what a, a high school or a junior high. Right, right. Like, and it's it's a classic. Requirement. And some people rave about it. And I actually offended a friend of mine. I read it maybe mid-20s, mid to late 20s. Right. And it was one of her favorite books. And she's like, you should read it. And I was like, you know, it's a classic. I'll check it out. Um, and it sounds like I'm going on a tangent here, but uh, no, I, I, I think I know where you're going. I'm going to tell you into doing. So I read Catcher in the Rye 
and it's all about Holden Caulfield. He's a teenager, and he's getting kicked out of his uh, prep school or his dorm. What's it called? Uh, boarding school. Mm-hmm. And the kid's just a jerk. And it's supposed to be, I guess the point of it is supposed to be, well, number one, that, you know, teenagers thought that way and talked that way. And it was, I mean, I get it. It, it was written what came out in the 50s, maybe late 50s, early 60s. And maybe it was groundbreaking in that sense. But all I thought was, this kid is a selfish son of a bitch. So I know this is not about Dune, but the whole point was, here is a classic book that, you know, I thought, okay, it's a classic. I want to read it. And at the end, I was like, you know what? I can see how this was cutting edge when it came out. But like I said, I read it about 20 years ago. So about 2000-ish, give or take. In the year 2000, it just wasn't. Now, that said, so for me, I didn't like Catching the Rye. Now, I'm saying that because I really enjoyed Dune. I think I said many times, so I, I apologize for repeating myself. I found Herbert's prose to be very engaging. Yeah, it was fine. I didn't hurt it. Well, and it, like, it's, you know, we'll get into it in a bit too. It's, it's soft sci-fi, right? So it wasn't a bunch of heavy terms and techno babble. And it wasn't like you had to learn a lot. I mean, you did learn things about the culture and stuff, but that kind mm-hmm. of happened naturally throughout the book. It wasn't like right. you had to learn about, you know, some super specific scientific idea to understand the book. Gotcha. So I liked it, but I think, I, I think it was cutting edge at its time. It's just uh, like anything, you know, after 50, 60 years, it's going to start to show its age. Maybe. And I don't and know. I don't know what cutting edge was then, obviously, because it's really, there's really nothing here that uh, other than the setting that is different than Arthurian legend and, um, various king and queen problems from, you know, real life. There's obviously some clear Shakespeare kind of stuff in here too. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if it was, it, it, is it cutting edge simply because of the setting? Cause the story isn't. Um, well, you know, you bring up an interesting question just because, is it cutting edge because of its setting? And maybe it was. Maybe they didn't do a lot of... Uh, I mean, I, I, I've i only read sci-fi maybe the last 20, 30 years. Um, yeah, maybe 40. No, 30. So a lot of stuff I've read is more modern. Not to say that this is super old, but still like 50, 60 years old. It, it's, you know... It's contemporary considered, right? In our, I mean... I don't know if it's in terms of the in terms of the art world, I think. Maybe. Art, but I, I would think you know a contemporary sci- sci-fi writer would be like uh, John Scalzi. Or well, I meant in Cruz. in in terms of like an era or or I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a good question. I don't know. You know how far an era is. I'm trying to think. You know, sci-fi before this was like H.G. Wells. You know the. The time machine, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, that was more turn of the century. So, you know, another- but you had like Stranger in a Strange Land, which I love, which stuck with me more than this. Um, and I can't remember when that was written. I'm going to look that up. But I guess my question to you is, what made it? What 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 do you think made it cutting edge? Because I, I the story themes are not. 
You know that, like, like we can agree on that, right? Yeah, it's not cutting edge, and it was. It's very classic. I mean, like you brought up many times. Um, even though I didn't watch the show, I recognize the themes that it's similar in, to Game of Thrones, and that it's more about political intrigue. It's about power plays. It's about politics. It's about you know shifting yourself into you know shifting oneself into position for power, mm-hmm. right? So there are a lot of games that go on. Right. Political and whatnot. It's not all, I mean, really there's, there's probably other battles, you know, that happen within the story that we don't hear about, but really in the book, there's the Harkonnens invading mm-hmm. and then it's the final battle. That's really it. Right. And you have, okay. So uh, I just looked up, sorry, Hein the book by Heinlein, um, stranger in a strange land was written in 1961. So that's contemporary with him. Gotcha. Yep. I agree. Um, and that book stuck with me to this day. I think about that book quite often, actually. It's an interesting take on things. Um, but I, I would have said, I would have think Stranger and Strange Land is actually more cutting edge in terms of themes and story. Um, and I, I'm not putting down Dune because it's not cutting edge. I think, I think it, what it is, maybe it's a modern classic kind of in a weird way it's taking classic themes and, and putting it in a situation which feels modern or at the time and counting and, and looking at uh, possible futures of what earth might be if we continue to destroy our planet or whatever which was early thinking at the time that might be the cutting edge part of it that's that was what i was going to get into i think as far as cutting edge goes i, I think that edge has been dealt just by experience because we're used to it now Mm-hmm. But the whole concept of ecology within a planet, not that it exists, but, you know, doing um, doing things for the benefit of the planet and a healthy ecolo- ecology of a planet. Right. Um, I mean, Earth Day first was created sometime in the late 60s, right? Yeah, something like that. I, I, you know, yeah, let's say yes. And somebody will, okay. will tell us. <laughs> right. The way the internet works is you you declare something, and when you're if you ask a question, no one's going to answer it. But if you declare something as fact, a thousand people will tell you you're wrong. Yes, it doesn't matter; it's all fake. <laughs> so, in that respect, yeah, I, I think it was cutting edge, and that you know it, it kind of brought this whole idea of you know with with kinds being a planetologist, you know, really worried about you know the concern uh, for the planet of Dune, and you know. In a way, you can kind of see that as an analogy. If we, like you said, if we if we don't take care of our Earth, um, we you know it could turn into a giant dust bowl. I mean, Dune, written by Herbert in the '60s, was only what 15 years off. You know, uh, not maybe 15, but 15, 20, 30 years off of the whole Great Depression, the Dust Bowl era, all that kind of stuff. Right. So these are things. I mean, let's look at. I mean, look at us. We never thought we'd see a hundred-year-old or a hundred-year plague, and here we are. We're in the midst of it right now. You know, right. I think, you know, you read about stuff like the, you know, the Spanish flu in 1918. That's not going to happen to us again. And, you know, but I bet you the people, you know, 10, 20 years after it, it had a major effect. And I know. Oh, we're, yeah, we'll be changed. Exactly. For us, it's <clears> going to have a major effect. We are now open to the possibility of a major virus like this. Whereas, you know, people like Herbert, he probably, he grew up doing that during that Dust Bowl era, right? So for him, that was on his mind. So it could happen again. 
For sure. Dune is just an extreme example of that. Whereas, I I, I mean, I grew up in the or I was born in the seventies, grew up in the eighties. To me, the Dust Bowl era is just that. It's something I learned in history, and it doesn't. Well, we're children of the post nuclear, so that's what we're thinking of. Right. That's what we. For, that's what right. we grew up on. Kids today don't even think of that. They don't think of nuclear war like we did. Oh. At least when I grew up. They don't even think about it as fear. It's just it is, it's just one of those things. Like what well, we were like, what getting bomb drills, and at least I still was. I don't know. I'm I'm older than you. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not that much older than I am. I know. Um, you know, it's funny you bring that up, and I, I don't know how much it ties into Dune, but same kind of thing in that. You know, maybe it was because of my age and how impressionable I was, but. I was very much afraid of nuclear annihilation. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course. We watched well, the day after or something like that was out that everybody watched that movie and shit went bad. We, I mean, Terminator um, just keeps that thought alive. That was 80 something and it might've been 84 as well. I can't remember if it was or not. Um, so like I, when I was a kid, I remember like in 1986, maybe 87, the U S uh, did airstrikes against uh, Libya for Libya somehow was involved or may not have been, or was involved in a, a terrorist bombing in Bali or something like that. So right. they countered with the airstrikes and it scared the shit out of me. Cause I thought, Oh shit, here, here's the beginning. We're going to world right. gonna start. So anyway, Terminator, Terminator was 84, by the way, that yeah. was right. So all that to say, um, you know, a book like Dune, it's it's it comes, you know, like any other book, it comes from the wellspring of the author and the things that affected that, that author. So that's going to include the whole Dust Bowl, the Depression, and now these new ideas of what can we do to save the planet and ecology and things like that. Right. So in that respect, yes, Dune is cutting edge. In the respect of just the characterization and the power plays and the politics going on. I mean, that's as old as time. That you can throw that as far back as um, what Machiavelli's *The Prince*, right? Sure, which is a good book. I read that book. You know, I own it. I don't know that I've actually read it all the way through. It's a small little book. It's a it's a it's a philosophy. It's not even. Some people call it the evil. It's not. Um, it's just a way of thinking. It's, yeah, but isn't yeah. it just basically the end that justifies the means? Yes and no. But I mean, you know, it, it, let's say the mean, let's, let's say the end is to save humanity. What is, what would you do to do that? Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, it creates more issues. It's not like um, always get what you want, which is not Machi- what Machiavelli was talking about. It was, gotcha. it was like, you know, if it worked, then it worked. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it it's, it's deeper than that. And I'd have to read it again to get back into it. But I found it fascinating and like, oh, I get it. It's not. Being, it's not about being um, what some people thought was like a uh, dictator. Like it's not about that. Even though dictators took it into a, it's kind of like when you read a Bible and somebody takes the story and changes it to, to their whim, kind of thing. Nobody ever does that. Nobody. No, we've only killed millions and millions of people over shit like that. <laughs> right. The Crusades. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, you make some good points, and I think another way. Um, that Dune is probably cutting edge for its time. If you look at it, um, the women are equals in this book. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Obviously, you know, Paul Moadib is still, or Trades, however you want to call him, he is still very much a Messiah character. And oh, yeah, for sure. The hero and, you know, everything goes to him. But let's look at as far as the positions of power in the in the galaxy go, in the Empire. Yeah, the Emperor is a man. Okay. Mm-hmm. With concubine and... Right. But who is there right at his side? The Bene Gesserit, led by... Right. Man. The older lady who forgot her name, but yeah. Right. But then also, I mean... Um, Lady Margot? Was it Lady Margot? Or Reverend Mother Gaius? Yes. That's it. Um, you know, okay. Maybe this is part of the cutting edge or different anyways. Maybe this is the what makes it slightly different is... I'm not quite sure I root for Paul the whole book. I'm not quite sure I even like him. He's not like a Luke Skywalker. Um, and and maybe that's part of it. Like he's just he may just turn out to be just another asshole emperor, just one replacing another. I I don't think he necessarily means. And I don't necessarily get the feeling that Paul is all good. Do you? No, no. And you know it's it's funny you mention that because it's not something I thought about. But as soon as you just said it right now. It really clicked with me. You're right. I, I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily dislike him, but sometimes I get that he's 17 in the book, and at times he's 17 in the book. Does that make right. sense? Right, and that's fine. But I don't know if I like him or 15 or however old. Yeah, right. there are times I'm like, man, he's kind of a dick. <laughs> but not all the time. I mean, it's not overpowering. Where it's not again. Not to keep going back to Catcher in the Rye. But Holden Caulfield is a dick. And it's hard when you dislike your quote unquote protagonist that much, mm-hmm. it's hard to get into the book. It's hard. It, it, it's hard to, to you want to love your hero, right? right. Um, so like when you bring up when I bring up a book like Lord of the Rings and you, you clearly know it's pretty clean as to who is a good and bad. You know, there's, there's not much ambiguity. There's a few characters that are ambiguous but you, you're going to root for frodo there i mean that's it <laughs> you're going to um you love him he's a great kid and he's he's a, he's roughly like a paul but he's not not necessarily in the terms of like they're gonna lead everything but he takes this task on and you're gonna root for him because he's good i i don't know if i rooted for anybody in this book and maybe that's why i never really you know and maybe that's the difference. Maybe that's what makes this a really well-rounded, more of a governmental take on society rather than I want a pure Arthur, you know? Maybe but, maybe that's what people grasped onto. You know, I could see that because I agree with you in that. I... I don't know. I, I bet. I think part of it now, I was biased. I will say that because I saw the movie as a kid. Right. So I know Paul's going to win. Well, I knew that too. I mean, everybody knows. Like, right. You're not going to read, right, yeah, read the book, an 800 page book, to find out that you've been following the loser the whole time. Yeah. I mean, now this isn't Game of Thrones where you think somebody's a hero and then season one he gets his head cut off. Um, <laughs> Spoilers, sorry. 
<laughs> the show was on for eight years. <laughs> no. Eight years late on this. Uh, you're in the clear there. But, yeah, to your point, I don't know that I rooted for Paul either. I, I mean, I accepted the fact that, yes, he's probably going to win. Is he better than, you know, the Baron? Probably. He's more upfront. He, I think he's better than the Baron, but I'm not sure he's better than the Emperor because we never really got to know the Emperor. Right. I mean, we kind of take it that he is going to be better than the Emperor. It's kind of implied just because the Emperor was in cahoots with the Baron. Sure. But is that evil or is it just some some way, you know, politically expedient? Yeah, or is it like I think maybe part of this, you know, does power absolute power corrupt absolutely is where maybe this is going. I don't know that I'm I'm not probably going to read the sequels. I'll, I'll give I mean that might be a testament to <clears throat> something, I guess. Well, see, that's a good question right there. So that's <clears throat> you're not going to read the sequels. The next book is what Messiah of Dune or Children of Dune, one of the two. I sure. <clears throat> I own the next book. That's all I know. Okay. Are you going to read it? Do you, do you want to read it? I'm curious. Now, children. I guess it's Children of Doom. Thank you. Um, I'm going to say yes. Don't read it. I don't know. Wait. No, no, no. It's Dune Messiah. You're right. And then Children of Dune. Then okay. God Emperor of Dune. Then Heretics of Dune. There's a lot of Dune. So I okay. So I have what Dune Messiah. I own the second book. I think Dune went on sale at some point, and I bought it for like two bucks. And I think the same with Dune Messiah. If the others go on sale, Kindle versions on sale for two bucks, I'll probably buy them too. Right. Now that said, I think I have close to a hundred books that I've purchased. You know, but they're only two bucks each, right? Well, now I'm two hundred bucks in, <laughs> not even realizing it. Um. I, God, now I think of that. Hopefully, I haven't spent that much money on books I haven't read. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, my, my initial thought when I got done was, yeah, I'd like to go, I'll go back to that well, but not right now. It wasn't, right. It wasn't enough of a draw for me to go, I need to know what happens next. Whereas, again, I also I, if Dune becomes a great movie and they give it the go ahead to keep this, my guess is they're probably going to want to do Messiah and Children of Dune as a franchise, at least three film, if 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 all goes well. Well, that's the thing, isn't the first movie just the first half of the book? Well, yeah, we're going to get the second half, but I mean, I think they're going to tell the other two stories. Be my guess. So. I'll probably watch them. I don't know if I'll read them, which is probably wrong. Well, that's fine. I, I get it. I mean, it took us what? I mean, obviously we took it in chunks and went slow and had a bye week, but we still went nine weeks, whereas right. a long movie is three, three and a half hours. It's considerably yeah. less investment of time. So all that to say, I will probably read the next book, but I'm not like, and again, I get that Dune is a classic, but for my contemporary tastes, um, I'm going to bring up the book. Um, oh, shoot. Um, no, I can't remember the name of the title. Red, um, shoot. Red Rising. Sorry, it took me a second to come up with that. 
Red Rising is a contemporary sci-fi book, a series that has come out in the last 10 years. And again, oftentimes when I see something sci-fi that gets good, you know, good ratings and is on Goodreads has a high rating, if it's mm-hmm. like two bucks, I'll grab it. And I bought Red Rising a couple of years ago, didn't think much of it. And then one day I heard some buzz. I was like, you know, I, I think I own that. I'll check it out. I started reading and I was hooked. Um, but I'm cheap as well, so I didn't go out and buy the next couple books. Plus, when I get really, really get into a book, like that's all I want to do is read that book. And in right. my time, like I got stuff to do for work. You know, I like every waking moment I want to read that book. So what I often do is I'll save books that I just can't wait to read. I'll save them for like Christmas break or spring break or something like that where I can take the time and just, you know, divulge, right? Or just, you know, not divulge, dive right in. So the second and third book in the Red Rising series, I got both of them out of the library and tore through both novels over spring break a couple of years back. That, so I say all that just to say, that was a series that grabbed me and would not let go of my attention. And I had to read the next books as soon as I could. That did not happen with Dune. That makes sense. Gotcha. Yep. I do. So it's kind of like the first Thrawn. Well, the first and second Thrawn, like after I finished, I got to, I got to read the next one. See, I've started the first Thrawn and I sat it down and haven't read it. Well, yeah, I'm think mine's more so because I read the first, like the Heir to the Empire series, which I don't think you did. I never did, no. Yeah, so that was that was the only Star Wars there were was back then. That's it. There was his books. There was never going to be another movie. Lucas was done, and that was the only Star Wars we were going to get. So I, it was know, awesome. I kind of wish I had read those now because I can't go back and read them now because. Now I know that they're legends, right? Well, for now they're legends. I think, like I said before, like don't get caught up into that. Like, what is a legend? A legend is a story that's been told. We just don't know it as perfect truth yet. So those stories are there. They didn't take them away. Everybody thinks like the the big misnomer is they said, oh, they don't count. That's not true. We have legends. Yes, they are. They're legends. That doesn't mean not canon. That means there's a story that there may be inaccuracies because it's a legend. That's what the legend means, right? So we have legends. We, we hear legends of our own friggin' founders of the United States. I don't know if they're fucking true. You know? We don't know if it's perfect history or not. Right, but they've already gone through and now told stories after... Mm-hmm. And some of them... And, and, look what they, and look what they've done in the series. They've pulled people back in from those stories. And brought him in. If if Thrawn was a legend and and not canon, why would you bring him in? Because there's something there. There there was a story. There was a real story that happened. Right. Might be slightly different, but you know we'll see what happens. Um, we're not going to talk about that now because that's a Star Wars thing. But the point is, uh, the those books really set up for me wanting to read more. And I'm not sure. No, I, I am sure. Dune just didn't didn't give me that much. Where for me, I wanted to jump into the next one, you know, but I did like the book. I, so it sounds like I'm playing both sides, but it's just how I feel like it was a good book. I don't, it's just, it, it wasn't a series that I think that I would really want to dive into. 
you know? Um, now my question to you is, is there a Star Trek books that people love that, that have become something or, or no? Well, what do you mean became something? I guess that's my question because, well, I mean like, okay, so you had the Thrawn stuff for Star Wars, which were people that became a thing. Like people love that stuff. Like it's so much that they want it to be a perfect canon, you know? Well, okay. So it's different in that, um, it's just like you said, with Star Wars, it was done in 83. There was never going to be any more. And then in the 90s, hey, I've Lucasfilm has approved these books to be written by Timothy Zahn. So right. this was the only Star Wars you, you were going to get. Yeah, Star Trek wasn't on TV for a while. And there wasn't a film for a while. But the books never stopped. Okay, so there was, there were novels. There have been novels. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of Star Trek novels. Covering Are those all considered canon? No. Okay. So what's stopping? What What's the difference then for you? I don't read them. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. Um, there, there are hundreds. Well, part of the reason is, I mean, so so – there's so many different books. Like there are books that fill in gaps in the next generation. There are books that fill in gaps in all of the series, deep space nine Voyager enterprise, the original series. There are books that there are books out now that cover gaps, uh, within discovery. Got it. And that's, that's not even including the comics that are coming out that also fill in gaps. So, it's hard to decide. Like if I was really a huge fan of Voyager, maybe I'd be drawn to those books or there's even a whole series of books in Star Trek that, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Riker was given command of his own ship. It was the USS Titan. And there's a whole series of books just about him and his command on the Titan. So, um, that said, I'm kind of intimidated because there's so many books and I'm, I'm a little bit of a completist in that if I start reading a book series, I want to read them all. Well, I don't have time to read five, six hundred books, right? No. Okay, so we've got those two worlds, right? So what is it about the Dune world that does not, at least doesn't make it, doesn't sound like to me you're going to jump to the next book? I'm not. I'm not going to jump to the next book. And now there's a couple reasons for that. Um, I'm still, after months... And I need to get it back to the library because they want it back. Uh, trying to finish the fifth Murder Bob book. So my plan is over this break, Christmas break, mm-hmm. to finally read that book and finish that. Because that one I've started and it's, this is terrible to say because it's much more contemporary. It's definitely not as deep. But I enjoy the Murder Bob books more than I do Dune. Gotcha. So what is it? What is, so let's let's keep it on Dune. Yeah. Why? What? What is it about? What are we? What are we both missing? Do we think? Like, is it just too heavy? Too too gray? Well, I think for me, and this ties into something you said. I don't love Paul. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting character. I liked the story. I liked his characterization, but. 
I don't feel an affinity for him, and I don't feel like like a connection. So therefore, I, it's just not there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do. It does make sense. I, I, I get you. Um, maybe you know. Maybe this book just didn't feel like an adventure. You know, I'm trying to put my name like even even. Um, the Arthurian legend is is adventure, right? I don't think it was supposed to be. I think no. Maybe I'm I, I'm not saying it should have been. I'm just saying maybe that's why I'm not jumping at it. Even well, though I liked it, I liked the themes and I liked what happened. But right, so maybe it's not so much the book, but the fact that it's this soft sci-fi that focuses more on politics and society and things like that. And I generally like that. I'm a kind of a political junkie. That's why I like Game of Thrones, because there's a lot of politics in there, a lot of backstabbing and who's going to rule this and who's going to do that. So right. I wasn't, I, I even like, that's why I like um, uh, Revenge of the Sith a lot, because there's some interesting political things that happen in there that could happen to any great country, like, you know, go from a democracy to a, Author, authoritarian, like, you know, what if elections weren't real? <laughs> right. You know? yeah. And I'm going to talk about you know, what I know of you. I know you're a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings books, right? Yeah. Um, but it's like you said, there's a clear hero. Yeah, there's a clear adventure and there's a clear... And there's a clear adventure, exactly. But Tolkien's not... I mean, yes, there's machinations, there's some, you know, shifting alliances and stuff like that. But it's not as politics heavy as Dune. No, 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 no. It's no. it's a sci-fi. It's a sci-fi. It's a fantasy adventure, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now speaking to my own preferences, which is obvious just in the books I read, predominantly I read martial sci-fi, which is, you know, soldiers with laser guns or something killing aliens some kind of war, some kind of fighting. Mm -hmm. I, which is funny because I'm, I'm about as bleeding heart liberal as you can get. And I'm, you know, anti-war and just about everything, but apparently my entertainment, I want to see everyone get blown up. <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't happen in Dune. There was a little bit of that, but that's just my own personal preference. So Ian, do you know Ian Banks, the writer Ian Banks, he died recently. Uh, no, I, I do not. He's a sci-fi writer that, again, I haven't read these books, but it makes me wonder if they're more akin to Dune. Maybe that's something I need to check out. He wrote a series of books called The Culture, which is, you know, based on my understanding, is more soft sci-fi and that it talks about uh, humans becoming part of this, uh, the culture, which is this overreaching intergalactic kind of alliance but it's more about a society than it is any kind of like war or not kind of like any kind of military organization so i wonder if that is more aligned with dune and maybe that's a book series i need to check out at least one of them i've always been curious but i haven't yet because i like to see soldiers blow up aliens <laughs> <laughs> So it makes I don't I I I feel like I'm a pretty smart guy usually, but <laughs> well, sometimes you just want what you want, you know. Right. So 
Okay, so let's let's pull some things. Is there a character that you did gravitate towards more so than Paul? More so than Paul? Well, yeah. If we didn't care for Paul, or I'd say didn't care for him, but if we didn't get, you know, was there anybody else there that that you liked? Maybe I don't know. You know, I really can't. I would have liked to hear more about. And now I can't think of her name. Paul's wife. Cheney? Yes, thank you. I think I would like to hear more from her just because I actually you know her and um, oh, of course I always have brain farts when I have to think of the names. What's her father's name? Kill, kill. No. Oh, um, Gurney? Not no. Gurney. Her, her, no. Her father's kind, sorry. Not her, not her father. The head of the, uh, the Fremen. Um, oh, Oh, um, Stilgar. Thank you, Stilgar. I I think me personally, I just wanted to know more about the Fremen before Paul came around. Yeah, I think there's two characters for me that I liked a lot. Oh, Stilgar was yes. one of them, which you mentioned, and I liked uh, Duncan Idaho, but he didn't last. <laughs> so, and I did like the the Duke himself. I thought was a good character, and like the people that I was starting to get, you know, um, you know, Duncan Idaho was the the is the, you know, he's the fighter. He was he was the one that was gonna, who you know I thought was gonna be cool. Like you can't beat him. Um, uh, Jason Momoa was gonna play him in the film, so you kind of know where they're going with that. But um, so I was looking. At, you know, I thought he was gonna be uh, make it through the book. Obviously, he didn't. Um, so yeah, those are the two. But Stillgar I thought was really good, a good character. Yep, I really I liked him Stilgar. more. I liked him more than Paul. <laughs> You know, I, so did I, I think. I think now he was very absolutist when it came to his culture. Sure, that's their culture, though. Right. But he um, wasn't because because Paul did get them to change uh, traditions. He did. And He's he wanted, you know, we're not going to kill all our best men, <laughs> you know. Yep. I think... Uh, yeah, Stilgar is definitely one of my favorites, and you bring up a good point with uh, the Duke. Just as he got interesting, he was gone. Yeah. Yep. I'm, yep. They kind of kept him at arm's length at first, where you know he's the Duke, and you know Paul really doesn't have much to do with him. And then, you know, we kind of focus in on him the last, you know, I don't know for several pages before he dies, and he was really getting interesting, and then he's dead. Yep. Yeah, which I guess you could say that is a very, that's a, um, not cutting edge, but it's a, a way of writing that people are probably like, oh my God, you know, back then, you don't kill these characters. These are the, the big characters, you know? Yeah. Who, do, I mean, who does it, right? When they're, but, but Paul had to have somebody die to, to you well, know, yeah, as a hero's, hero's journey, you got to have your mentor go, which is the Duke. Yes. So that one made the most sense, obviously. Um, I think I'd like to know more about Kynes as well, but you know, if we're talking our favorite characters, yeah, I'm going to go with Stilgar. Other, other than Paul, I think Stilgar is my favorite. But I, I think I would like to have more known more about Kynes. He seemed like an interesting guy. Now, was he from Dune or from Arrakis? Was he in Stilgar? Native? No, Kynes, uh, the planetologist. Uh, Cheney's uh, dad. 
I don't think he's from there, but he was with them. Right. Well, he was definitely, yeah, he the, had gone to the baby, planet. No question. Yeah. yeah. I think he was put there by the emperor to, to learn about the planet and be that historian or whatever. Well, so it's a, it's a fine line. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, he was the planetologist of Dune, but he inherited that. Wasn't his father the previous planetologist? Possibly. I can't remember now. It's been, it has been a couple of weeks, but yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because during his whole death scene, right before he exploded in the pre-spice. Remember oh, he right. He was having those flashbacks, right? Like yeah. talking to his dad or something. Yeah, yes. that's so right. His father was the previous. So it makes me wonder, you know, it, it gives you a question. That, that ties into another theme of the whole book is what, I guess, where is home? What's your identity? Like, what's your ethnicity? Kynes, obviously, he was his lineage was not native to Dune, but I think he was born and raised on Dune because the fact I that would he, think so, yeah, because his father was a previous planetologist, and then you have Paul, who obviously was not born on Dune. Um, he was born on Caladan, and obviously takes the ways and becomes the leader of the Fremen. So it's about, so there's, there's, there's a theme there about, you know, being, um, I don't know, included in a society to changing who you are, or I don't know, I guess that what I'm trying to go is where you're born doesn't make who you are. Does that make sense? Right, right. So that's one of the themes too. With, like I say, we see that with Kynes, uh, we see that with uh, Paul, even Jessica to many, you know, to a degree. So, hmm. good questions on the characters. I like that. Yeah, I mean that the, those are the ones that um, the characters always mean the most to me in a in a story, as I've said a billion times. Um, so, you know, I went into this book thinking, oh, I'm going to really get into these worms, but they really weren't that much of the story <laughs> as much as I thought. They were a back, they were, they were, they were a um, kind of like a storm, you know, like, like there was a fear that these things could come up and, but it really was more backdrop than, um, I don't know, threat. I don't know. I thought I thought it was gonna be different. It's funny what you think when you don't know anything about the book, and you're like, "Oh, it's gonna be this thing. They're gonna fight these worms, and it's gonna be this huge, you know, uh, adventure or something." And when it's not that, maybe that's part of it too. Is that's not what I thought, and then and not that it should have been. But um, you know, it, it would be good to talk to somebody who is kind of like know it all in this stuff, and and um, maybe set me straight. I don't know. No, you bring up a good point because, you know, you know the worms are a big deal. They're almost on every single cover of any yeah. book. Um, and then, well, even that. Then on top of that, even if that wasn't the case, this is an eight hundred page book, and they spend a significant amount of time going about how freaking powerfully awesome the worms are, and we see some examples of that. But that's it. That's it, right? And that's all. Yeah, yeah. It basically, keeps saying, "Be careful, the worms will fuck you up." Right. <laughs> and it's, right. But then Paul rides one, and he's a man. And then they use a worm 
in the battle, but we really didn't hear completely how they used it. Right. I mean, the battle, it, that's one thing too, and maybe that's that comes into my appreciation of martial sci-fi. Not that I need all the details, but the final battle was just kind of like, okay, the battle started. Okay, now we're over here. Oh, now we're in the Emperor's ship. It it went pretty quick, right? Right. And so what did they use? What did they use worms for? What did they use, you know, anything for? I mean, I don't know. I guess it could have used more detail in the battle, but what do, what do you think? Or was the battle fine? Um, It could have been more, I think. I don't know. I don't know if it was fine. I guess, I don't know. Maybe this is one of the reasons why I didn't love the book. I really liked it. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, it was engaging. I'm glad I read it. It was one of those things that was always on my to-do list. And I admit I was intimidated. I think I've said this many times. Because it's a sci-fi classic and because of its length, I was like, that's going to be a long, hard read. And it wasn't. It was quite enjoyable. Right. But it seemed to gloss over a lot of things. Did you get that impression? Yeah, yeah I, I, I see what you're saying. So I do. I mean, there are definitely some things in it that are good. You know, like I said, some of the themes we've already talked about and ecology, th- those kind of things, all very good. You know, the, the gender roles, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there was, it was almost like on some things like that final battle, where Herbert's kind of like, yeah, this doesn't really interest me. I just want to get to the point where Paul is facing off with uh, Fade and fighting him and then basically becoming emperor, right? Right. Or at least positioning himself so he's going to marry the emperor's daughter so he is next in line. It seemed like, you know, there were large swaths of time that Herbert just kind of glossed over because he wanted to get to the parts he wanted to get to. I mean... There's two years in there that we don't even know about. Right. As Paul learned so much about becoming a Fremen. And apparently there are plenty of attacks against the Harkonnens or Harkonnens or whatever. And that they're kicking their ass. But we don't hear about any of that. We just hear, oh, it's two years later and we're doing pretty good. Right. So maybe that's why I didn't love it either. Because well, he glossed over the parts that I was interested in, but not the things that he, he was interested in. But maybe as much as I enjoyed the book and liked some of the political intrigue, those his favorite parts to write were not necessarily my favorite parts to read. Right. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I you know, he, he was more into the 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 little things. It sounds like the little conversations, the 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 um. Um, the minutia. Right. You know? But the important conversations, right? Right. Right. Right, right, right. What it comes down to time and again, I enjoyed reading it. I kind of see why it was a classic. But it didn't resonate fully with me. Right. That's where I stand on Dune. 
And like you, I would love to talk to someone that is a huge fan of Dune and has read it more than once to say, here's why this is awesome. Maybe there's some perspective I'm missing. doesn't mean that necessarily I'd agree with him, but I'd like to hear some other, another viewpoint, right? Yep. I think you and I are very much, as much as we like to argue about other things. (laughs) I know. I think this book, we're pretty much aligned. I think so too. I think so too. Um, Yeah. I think we've said all we need to say on Dune. Do you? I do too. Uh, I guess I have one last question and that'll take us to the end. Um, Would you recommend people read the book? Oh man, that's a fucking good question. Depending on their tastes. Like I I wouldn't tell, I wouldn't say Michelle, you need to read this book. No, no, no. Okay. If it's someone that is already reading sci-fi, that already mm-hmm. that I know already like sci-fi, I'd be like, yeah, you know, check it out. It's not hard sci-fi. It's soft. I'd, I'd like to hear your perspective on it. So in that right. regard, yeah. It, but it's not something where like, dude, you got to read this. Right. So I'd give it a, it sounds terrible. I'd give it a half-ass endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Now, I don't want to say have. I think if somebody's into these things, I'll say, oh, you got to read it. It's one of those, you know, um, classics. Like it's part of that, you know, series of things you should read. It's very influential on a lot of other things you should read. It's kind of like, you know, oh, if you, uh, if you like, you know, I don't know, pick, pick any band. If you like the Foo Fighters, then you should probably go all the way back to the Beatles. You know, because these people were very influential on how bands are today. Um, so it's kind of like that kind of thing yeah. for me. I think if I knew someone that, okay, I, I've got fan, friends out there that like hard sci-fi, they like martial sci-fi, but there's some, you know, people like, like Ray Bradbury is a good example. Right. Like his kind of sci-fi. And I think that's what you need to know. So would I, would I recommend this to just anyone? Um, depending on my friend and what I know about their, you know, or the person who I'm talking to and what I know about their tastes, it sounds like a non-answer, but if someone's like, oh man, I love Ray Bradbury, I don't know if I'd suggest Dune to them. Because right. it's a different type of sci-fi, you know what I mean? Right. Or if someone says, oh, I've read all the Marco Clues books and I love how it's all about kicking ass and aliens and blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, yeah, maybe Dune's not for you. Right. That's true. But if someone said, hey, I read the culture books, I'd be like, tell me about those. I want to hear more. And if they're what I think they are, then I'd say, yeah, you definitely need to read Dune. Right. Um, yeah. So. I think that's a good way to, to, to end it. I, I, it's a good book. I enjoyed it. Um, but we have a different book, a totally different move for our next book club book. And uh, Mike, I'll let you introduce this one. Well, it's a very recent book that I was lucky to get my hands on a hard copy from the local library. Joe, I think, did you actually buy it? I did buy it. So our next book, if we had a drum roll, I'd play it, is Ready Player Two by Ernest Klein. So if you're any kind of geek, I'm sure you already know what Ready Player One is. Uh, There is a little bit of controversy with that book. I get it. It is very male-centric. And 
and is also very 80 centric. Right. Um, that said, it's one of my favorite books. I tore through it and I loved every second of it. Did you love it? The first one? Yeah. Ready player one. Yeah, absolutely. I've said it means, yeah, I, I got that thing. I, I could not put it down, but it, but it spoke directly to me, right? Like a specific kind of person that grew up at a specific time and almost specific gender. So I get it. Um, I don't know if it's a perfect book for people, but I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it too. Basically, that is a book that I would, I wouldn't say everyone should read it because I've heard some, you know, women saying, you know, it's kind of, it's a little misogynistic. I don't know if my, even my son would like it, Sam. He, he liked the movie, but they made the movie more for now than the book was. Well, so one of our listeners, uh, Michael Vandenberg, who listens and always comments. Uh, that's why I don't feel bad for saying his name because he's always commenting. We love his, we love the feedback. So thanks for responding. He asked, actually messaged, messaged me and he's a good 10, 15 years younger than us. Mm-hmm. And he loved Ready Player One. And I was like, I'm glad you did, but I was, I was a little worried just because it's so 80s specific. I didn't know if you'd get all the references and he may not have got all of them, but it was enough where he loved the book. Oh, well, that's good. So we've picked Ready Player Two. Now, I've tried to stay away from, you know, reviews of it and whatnot. Um, it's hard to go into something completely biased. I will say this, and I've said it before. I did read Armada, which is Klein's second book that is thematically similar to Ready Player One, and it was not nearly as good. Right. I'm trying not to let that affect my interpretation of this book but you know we're going we're going a huge swing from classic sci-fi from 50 some odd years ago to you could not be more contemporary this literally came out in the last six to eight weeks that's right so i'm excited when uh are we gonna wait till the new year to start that joe or yeah let's let's wait till the um the first one well, i don't want to say january 1st let's give people time to get the book if they, you know, when, once they see it. So let's, let's pick, uh, That's good. That gives us- January 11th. Yeah. Okay. To start January 11th. And then maybe Michael, you can put a schedule together like you did last time. It's probably not nearly as big. So. Yeah. I'm thinking this one will take us a month tops. I think we'll yeah. probably end up having four sections. It's not as long and I think it's going to be a lighter read. Yeah. Much. Yeah. And this so- one will probably have chapters too. So it'll be easier to actually chop it up. Yep. Cool. There we go. Ready Player Two. Our next book club book of now. I guess we're not going to say book of the month because we're not, not going to do that. <laughs> Cabercast Book Club. Yeah, Cabercast Book Club. There you go. Uh, so that'll do it for this special episode of the Kybercast Dune Edition. Uh, maybe we'll just keep these kind of things for the book club too. Maybe we'll do this with uh, Ready Player Two as well. So it's kind of a dedicated show just for our book club. That seems to make sense to me. I'm flexible. (laughs) Great. All right. Well, that'll do it for this particular episode. Uh, Catch us on any podcatcher that you can with Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google, all those good things. And uh, you can keep up with us on social. And Michael can tell you how to do that. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Look for KyberCast or The KyberCast. We respond pretty quickly. There you go. And uh, tune in to the next episode 
which is coming up right after this one if you want to. Uh, so this is the way. I have spoken. What a piece of junk. Boring conversation anyway.